There once was a king in Israel, and he was a tall, good-looking, strong guy, and God allowed him to be king. And he did well at the very beginning. He fought the enemies of Israel with boldness and courage and developed a very loyal following. But along the way, something went wrong. The man stepped out of God's order for his life. He ended up compromising what he knew was right before God. And eventually, he started dabbling in witchcraft and weird esoteric stuff. And over time, all of these sins against God started to compound, and he ultimately fell in battle. And David was on the scene at this time. He was a military man. When he received news that Saul had perished in battle, David said this, How are the mighty fallen? This video will be about the life of Greg Locke, who once was a mighty preacher, but his compromises and stepping out of God's order for his life has resulted in him getting into some very strange stuff. And the parallels in his life and the life of King Saul are striking. There will be things in this video that are considered crude or maybe even inappropriate. And I want you to watch it with an open heart. And we're going to tell you the truth about this man. He's not who you think he is. He's a danger to himself and to a lot of people. We love Greg. But what he's doing is not good. Nothing, nothing in the American culture and nothing in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that has separated the body more than these stupid things right here. Sometimes you got to let people reveal themselves for who they are. Greg Locke is a man that pastors the Global Vision Bible Church in Tennessee, and he's well known as a political pundit, a right wing figure. He stands against mask mandates and stands for conservative and constitutional values. And he's actually been banned from major social media platforms. He really has become a lightning rod of sorts, especially to the political left. These people absolutely hate this guy. The average Christian today looks at Greg Locke and thinks, man, this is a hero. This guy is bold. He is uh, fearless. He just stands for what's right, no matter what anybody says. And they admire his courage, and they admire his tenacity. But is there a different side to Greg Locke? Is there more to the story than what you see on the news? I think there is. Greg Locke is not the man that you think he is. Greg Locke is a fallen preacher. In this film, we will go behind the layers of hubris behind all the image of a protagonist preacher, and we will show you the truth about who Greg Locke really is. We pray that you'd have an open mind and watch this all the way through to the very end.
This is not communism. This is not China. This ain't North Korea. I don't live in Haiti. I don't live some other country somewhere. Hear me? Trump 2020. All right, we're here today with evangelist Dwight Smith, and Brother Smith has known Greg Locke for many years, has a long history with him, and uh, I want to just talk about basically who is Greg Locke and where did it come from? Well, Greg has a pretty amazing testimony. He was uh, saved out of um, a, a life uh, that was very self-serving, that was, um, he was getting into the rapper industry, and he was reached, I believe, through... Um, through the influence of some people in Tempe and uh, through the message of salvation that was preached and he was helped, I know, through a, a children's home there in, in uh, the middle part of Tennessee. And really, when he got saved, the Lord really helped him and, and uh, set him on a good track and got him around good, solid people. And uh, Greg had really had a tremendous start. You know, we want to talk about his character for a little bit. I mean, what is Greg Locke like? I mean, you've known him personally uh, when, when you know, cameras are not on and, and, you know, he's just a normal guy around with other guys. What's he like? What's his character like? You know, Greg, Greg always had a good, uh, a, a, an amiable personality. We, we laughed a lot together and we prayed together in the early days. Uh, he was just coming into college when I was just finishing up some grad school. And, um, and we were in the same dorm together. We went out soul winning together, went out preaching in, in different places together. And he had a hunger to, to preach and to get into the uh, ministry of evangelism. Um, Greg is a, a good preacher. He had, uh, he had an amiable way about him in the dorms and with other people. And um, seemed, seemed, to be, seemed to be for many, many years straight, straight as an arrow and really uh, being used of the Lord. And uh, he had, um, he had, we had good friendships in college together. We prayed together and went out soul winning together, and and um, um, it looked like there was great promise. And uh, you know, just again, like I said, with his salvation, Greg had a really good start. Some of you got curses that have been spoken over you because she prayed over you. You gotta break that curse off in the name of Jesus. She's a witch. I think he did grow up in a broken home. I don't know all the details, but I know that that was definitely a struggle. And uh, um, he also, uh, you know, he was in his teenage years before he came to know the Lord. Um, and, and that, as I said earlier, that children's home in Middle Tennessee was really used of the Lord to set him on course. And he had a lot of people that had reached into his life to be mentors uh, along the way. And I, I'm not sure, but I think that's where he had met his wife, Melissa. But uh, they went out into evangelism and were really used. He preached in camps and in and, and conferences and revival meetings and many, many places across the country and and was uh, setting uh, really setting a course for strong Bible preaching and strong testimony for years to come. Stop it. I know right wing watch watching. I don't care. Now things are about to get super uncomfortable for about two minutes. I think I was in Bible college and I had heard that he had gotten off out of evangelism and in just almost inexplicably, he was like the hottest evangelist in America. And just inexplicably, he said, I'm going to go start a church. And I thought, well, I, you know, you, what you're doing is working. You're being greatly used of God. 
Um, we talked about his character, but I, let's talk about this church, this Global Vision Bible Church. Um, what can you tell us about that? And do you think maybe he missed the will of God starting that church? I don't know. Just what do you think? Well, I, the Bible says is uh, a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. And, and I can't determine the will of God for anybody, but I, I do know in just personal observation, not just with uh, uh, Greg, but with others, that when uh, God puts his call upon your life, his gifts and callings are without repentance. And uh, sometimes a guy will step uh, from the pastorate into evangelism or evangelism into the pastorate. And, and God sets his gift wherever he wants to set it. Uh, you know, when Greg told me he was going to start a church, my first reaction was, oh, good night. Uh, because I know Greg had the call of God upon him to be an evangelist. And I know that Greg was used as an evangelist. He was gifted that way. He, he's an able preacher. Um, and God was using him mightily. But he said, well, this is what the Lord wants me to do. So who's going to argue with the Lord's will? I can't determine that for you and you can't determine that for me. And when he started the church, he started it and called it Global Vision Baptist Church. Um, but I know for a fact that uh, it was started in with some his pastor wasn't encouraging it. In fact, his pastor stood against it because uh, because he felt like Greg was gifted as an evangelist and and uh, and and he didn't want him to start a church so close and he was concerned about that. But it was started as a, a Bible believing Baptist church and and there were others that were helping him from coast to coast that uh, got on board with Greg's ministry and got on board with starting this church. And uh, then somewhere along the line, Greg in 2011 uh, decided to take Baptist off the name and change, change Baptist to Bible. And, and I know some of your listeners and viewers might think, well, that's not that big of a deal. You're changing it to Bible and Baptist is a denomination, which actually it's not. But, uh, um, you know, it may, maybe that's not a big deal to change it from Baptist to Bible. And it, and it would be fine, I suppose, uh, if you follow the Bible. But then Greg started to not follow the Bible. And and that's where the concern came. And that's where the grief came. And that's where people distanced themselves from him. And really, Greg, when he changed it from Baptist to Bible, he cut off a whole group of people that had loved him, that had walked with him, that had prayed with him, that had wept with him, that had encouraged him, that had given to him all along the way. And uh, for the uh, with the excuse of a few people have hurt me and a few people have done me wrong. And so he cut off a whole segment of friends and people that had loved him. And it was a grievous way. It was a, a lot of, there were a lot of tears shed and a lot of heartbreak because Greg just walked away, stopped communicating, stopped talking, uh, stopped interacting and um, then started to start, started to head in the wrong direction. Are you telling me my kid's possessed? No, I'm telling you, your kid could be demonized and attacked, but your doctor calls it autism. I don't care if you stand or not. I don't care if you leave or not. Now, when Greg Locke began his ministry, he was a very effective and very popular independent fundamental Baptist preacher. He preached youth conferences all over the country and literally saw hundreds of teenagers come to Christ. God had his hand on this man. But due to several run-ins and personal animosity, Greg Locke decided that he was no longer going to be a Baptist. 
But the irony of Greg Locke is that although he claimed he was just going to stand for the Bible, he did anything but that. Greg Locke did not take a step towards truth. Greg Locke took a gigantic step away from Bible truth. And once a man steps away from truth, the slippery slope begins. Sometimes you got to let people reveal themselves for who they are. He changed Baptist to Bible, and then he cut off all of his friends and kind of just uh, isolated himself. But that's if, if it had stopped there, it would have been one thing, but it didn't stop there, did it? No, it did not. No, it did not. Greg has uh, shown himself over the last few years to, um, to, to, well, shown real character, shown his character. And he broke his marriage vow and um, walked away from the wife of his youth. And, um, you know, when you make a vow and a marriage vow, uh, that's a very serious thing in the eyes of the Lord. Now, at this point in the documentary, I want to point out something to you that you may not have noticed already. But there's pictures of Greg Glock with two different women. Who are these women? And the truth is that Greg Locke has left his first wife and married his church secretary, which anybody who can put two and two together will concede that that is very suspicious looking. And if you are going to be one of the few real disciples of Jesus, then you're going to have to fall madly in love with Jesus and probably out of love with a whole lot of other people. Some of you are in relational bondage. You know why? Because some Southern Baptist preacher told you years ago, ma'am, that your husband can beat the crap out of you and you have to stay with him because the Bible says so. I said crap in the pulpit. And I'm not telling you cut the ties, but I'm telling you, there's some of you in this room, you have held on to relationships that have destroyed you for years and years and years. And because of that, you don't even know how to chase Jesus because you've been trying to chase the approval of this person that has pulled you down for years and you stay with them five more years and see what happens. I can't not pace the floors. I can't help it. I'm a nervous wreck right now. I, I still I slept last night for the first time, and, and I couldn't tell you how long. I actually ate something today. Feel pretty good about myself. Barely, but I ate something. And the biggest problem we have right now is this man right here Thank you, Jesus. is not living up to what a pastor needs to be. No. Oh, no, 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 I'm telling no, 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 you right no, no, now. You he, right is, is, he is not. Get out, get out of here now. He, go on. You're going to leave. I'm going to call the law on you. He is not. Get out. Don't touch. You want me to call the police? No. This man is a devil. He put his wife on a bus. Call the police. Don't touch me. It's a song. You know, said, well, you know, my wife has, you know, had struggled and, and has some um, problems mentally, but, but you know, that, that, that's not an excuse. And, mm -hmm. and he broke that vow and I don't know all the details. I don't need to know all the details. I just know that he broke that vow. And when he did, he disqualified himself from being a pastor. No one would ever, ever argue that uh, someone who has been divorced or gone through the tragedy of divorce is, is damaged goods or can't be used of God again. But, but you can't be a pastor, not according to the Bible, and you can't be a deacon, not according to the Bible. And so 
he continued on. And worse yet, he married the church secretary, setting aside Greg's doctrinal matters and errors. Uh, Greg has disqualified himself from being a preacher and uh, um, a leader within a local New Testament church. And for that reason alone, no one should give him a hearing. We got first and last names of six witches that are in our church. And you know what's strange? Three of you are in this room right now. Three of you in the room right now. Well, let's do this. Let's talk about his compromise. Uh, let's just put it simple. Is Greg Locke the same man that you knew 20 years ago? No, Greg's still a very good preacher, able preacher, may I say. He's very able. Uh, he's very convincing. Um, he's taken a stand in the last couple of years uh, to keep his church open, which which I'm, um, you know, I applaud any preacher standing for uh, freedom and what is right. And, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but Greg has compromised in, in many ways. And uh, obviously one continuing on in the ministry, even though he's disqualified himself and uh, then um, getting remarried and continuing on in the ministry. Um, and then uh, he's, he's getting into charismatic doctrine now and preaching with uh, charismatic preachers that they themselves have uh, moral blemishes on their character. Um, and, and, and that doesn't seem to be a problem. He's preached with, uh, preaches with preachers that, uh, uh, are so-called evangelists and have incredible unpaid debts and uh, leave a terrible testimony when they leave a town. Um, and, and so those kind of things tell you what he's okay with and what he's not okay with. Uh, he's getting into charismatic doctrine now and, and getting into demons recently, just saying that demons are speaking to him, telling him, uh, who's involved in sin in his church, which I would think that a preacher and a man of God would want to get the mind of God and a word from the Lord as to whether or not their sin, not trust the word of a demon, much less presented as, as valid truth from the pulpit. Listen, I never could have imagined a little over a month ago when I started preaching on deliverance and demonology and spiritual warfare that we would literally open a window in heaven but lift a lid on hell. You better look in my eyeballs. We ain't afraid of you, you stinking witch. You devil-worshiping Satanist witch. We cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ. We break your spells. We break your curse. We got your first name. We got your last name. We even got an address for one of you. That many people just seeking deliverance and prayer. It's real. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Jesus said in the model prayer, deliver us from evil. It's in the Bible because it's a biblical Jesus principle. Are you telling me my kid's possessed? No, I'm telling you, your kid could be demonized and attacked, but your doctor calls it autism. We are literally seeing more people saved, more people baptized, more people set free, delivered, and finding liberty and freedom in Christ than we ever have in 15 years of gospel ministry. Some of you got curses that have been spoken over you because she prayed over you. You ought to break that curse off in the name of Jesus. She's a witch. How are these people being set free from lifelong addictions that have held them in chains of bondage for decades and they walk off this campus free as a fluttering bird? I don't care how pissed off she gets watching the live stream. She's a witch.
and there's going to be hell to pay for me saying this, but I'm going to say it because I know the camera's wrong. And I know the spooks is watching. Boo on you. You got heartburn, headache. That's just that spirit of divination she called over you that's getting angry inside of you. You can get mad all you want. You can get pissed off all you want. You can get upset all you want. In the name of Jesus, we cast out the spirit of divination. We cast out them curses and that witchcraft that's been spoken over this church. You are sent to this church to destroy us. You are sent to this church to lure us in. You are sent to this church to cast spells. Listen, some of you been sick because you befriended that witch. You made a case earlier today that it's like Greg Locke is Saul of King Saul of Israel. Why don't you explain that to our viewers, what, you, what you're saying there? King Saul had a very good start. Uh, King Saul um, was uh, humble in his own eyes when he first started out, and Samuel called him on that. And he said, when thou wast little in thy nose, thy eyes wast thou not made head of the tribes of Israel. And uh, one of the reasons why God uh, promoted him was because of his humility. But then Saul, uh, very quickly in 1 Samuel chapter 13, starts to, um, he, he starts to uh, take matters into his own hands. He offered a sacrifice, uh, something that was only uh, the responsibility of a priest. In uh, 1 Samuel 14, he's laying back and under the pomegranate tree instead of uh, in, instead of uh, being with Jonathan and, and leading the cause against the enemy. He's putting unreasonable demands upon his men. In, in 1 Samuel 15, he's disobeying the Lord, holding back the best of the goats and the sheep for the sacrifice and bullocks and uh, sparing Agag in direct disobedience to the Lord. Um, 1 Samuel chapter uh, 17 and 16, he's suspicious about who has been anointed king instead of him. And 1 Samuel 18, he's he is um, trying to kill David. 1 Samuel 19, the same thing. And there's just a downward progression. And the truth of the matter is when you won't obey the Lord, when, when you won't, I'm not talking about anything that is subjective. I'm not talking about anything that is rumor based. But when you won't obey the Lord, clear commands of scripture, like continuing on in ministry as a leader and as an example, when you violated biblical scripture, then then there's no place to go but down. And, you know, Greg looks good on the outside because there's lots of followers and and he seems to stir things up and he's a straight shooter. At least people kind of think they stand up against a, a, a wild, uncontrolled bureaucrat and stand up against the local and is going to still have a book of burning and, and stand up against um, the Masons. And th that all sounds good and looks good. Look at all the followers he has. And, and uh, you know, it, it would be good for you to study and see whether Greg is, is preaching the gospel and people are getting saved. And, and, uh, but but doesn't, it doesn't matter whether people get saved. God can use unworthy vessels. He uses all of us. But if I violate the scripture as a preacher or as a Christian, and it's shown to me that I violated the scripture and I continue on to violate the scripture, then I'm in disobedience, plain and simple. And the Bible is the standard for that. Not my feelings, not my perspective, not how much I know a person. Uh, if a person, uh, and by the way, I'm not saying to you anything that I would not expect as a standard set for me. The Bible is the standard. And if the Bible shows something different than what Dwight Smith is saying or doing, the Bible's right. 
not Dwight Smith. And it doesn't matter if Dwight Smith has 50 million followers on Facebook or YouTube and, and 50,000 views every day on, on social media and, and 5,000 people coming to my church and people getting baptized. It doesn't matter. I'm violating the scripture. I violated the scripture and the scripture is the standard. Not my feelings, not what everybody expects, not what people know or don't know, not whether I see lots of people saved. Um, and Saul just continually digressed until Saul is is seeking advice from the witch of Endor in First Samuel twenty eight, mm. and yeah. and that's a tragedy. Well, I, I find it weird that uh, King Saul went after the witch of Endor and started communing with witchcraft, and then the same, you know, at almost identically, we have Greg Locke saying the demons are speaking to me and saying this to me. Uh, that's just a strange coincidence, Brother Smith, and it's it's almost like this man is Saul. He has He's fallen years ago, but he's still holding that office as a pastor, as a preacher in the public eye. Um, and we all know what happened to Saul, but I, am, I wouldn't and try to wish ill upon Greg Locke. I guess the point of all this is to call him to repentance and to just ask him to reconsider everything he's doing. And what would you say to Greg Locke if he was sitting right in front of you in that office right now? I would say, Greg, we're, we're friends. We have been friends for years. I never have stopped being your friend, but I want to encourage you to step out of the ministry and to take control of your family and to stop trying to get um, followers and, and, and preach in the ministry because there's nowhere to go but down in that direction. And um, the, the truth is, is the Bible is very clear in Romans chapter 16 to mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have received and, and avoid them. And um, Greg has gone down a road of false teaching and false doctrine and there's no end to where it's going to lead. It's going to lead away from the Lord. And the problem is this: Greg is in a place of leadership in ministry. A lot of people look at him. A lot of people watch his videos. A lot of people seem to be stirred up. I've talked to young men who say, well, he seems to be standing against the devil. So, so how is that possible that he, he and, and they're, they're, they're confused. So that at very best, there's a confusing message, if not a completely deceptive message altogether that people are receiving from Greg and his ministry. And so he should not be listened to. He should not be followed as a teacher of the word of God. It doesn't matter how charismatic and how vocal and how impressive and how um, high tech he gets. It, do it doesn't matter. He's violated the word of God. And for that reason alone, he should not be given a listening ear. Well, it's, I guess somebody coming on the scene, seeing King Saul fighting the Philistines, he'd probably say, yeah, this, this is one of our guys. This is a good fellow, but truth be told, he was doing a lot of damage. You think about this, uh, Spencer, um, the ark of God was the centerpiece of the place of worship for the Israelites. It was stolen uh, by the Philistines in second Samuel chapter four and five and six, right in that first Samuel, excuse me, first Samuel four and five and six. And it was stolen under the, the wicked and, and ungodly rule of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. They were the priests at the time. Samuel rises to become the judge and the priest and a prophet. And, uh, he's the one that leads the nation of Israel for many, many years. And then the people said, we want a king. 
So they get a king and they and God gives them a king. And Samuel says, this is what's going to happen when you get a king. But Saul becomes king and, and he does nothing to get the ark of God back to Shiloh. He was obviously preoccupied with a lot of other things that weren't uh, necessarily what they should have been. But he does nothing to get the ark of God back. The Philistines knew enough to get rid of the ark of God because it was causing them great trouble. But Saul didn't have enough sense to get the ark of God back in its proper place. And though he had a good start and seemed to be heading in a right direction, he does nothing. And in 2 Samuel chapter 5, David is anointed king by the elders. And the next chapter, he gets the ark of God back to the city of David. I think that's very interesting because David had a heart for God and David wanted to follow God. And David was a man after God's own heart. But Saul slowly exposed himself and at any particular time Saul could have gotten things right at any particular time he could have turned back to the Lord but he did not he did not turn back to the Lord and it caused ruin in his family it caused ruin in his nation it caused ruin in his life and this is not something that we're saying I, I I'm certainly not and I know you're not we're not saying any of this because we're rejoicing we're not saying any of this because we're glad. If anything, we've wept. I remember hearing about uh, Greg and his his wife uh, breaking up, and my heart broke. I had a hard time sleeping. I, I wept, uh, and and yet it's also a red flag because any one of us can fall into sin, and any one of us can go down the road. But what is the standard is not what other men say, not what the internet produces, and not not what rumor mills say, but what the Bible says. And the Bible is very clear that when we are doing wrong. And we are violating the scripture and others try to warn us and we don't receive those warnings. The only thing that should be done is we should marked and avoided by godly Christians, not followed and hear and heard. Hmm. Absolutely. And I think there's a lesson here for the next generation of preachers coming up is that, uh, you know, you, your talents and your gifts and as good a speaker you are and winsome, charismatic as you are, if you don't do it God's way, it doesn't matter how talented you are, you are going to destroy your family. You're going to destroy your ministry, your testimony, your influence, and uh, ultimately you destroy yourself. And I think that Greg's right. lock is a I perfect example say this as well. There's no doubt about that, Spencer. I, I want to say this as well. We live in a society that is very much driven by image instead of substance, by what is seen instead of what is unseen. And, you know, the Bible says this, uh, judge nothing before the time until God brings to light the hidden works of darkness. And someday God is going to judge all of us at the judgment seat of Christ. And you know what's going to determine? What is the determining factor as to how we will be judged? The Word of God, mm. the Bible. So if I'm violating the Bible now, it's not going to be a pretty day when I stand at the judgment seat of Christ. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. And I think especially for young preachers, it's easy to think, well, you know, it looks good. He's got a lot of followers, or at least it did look good. You know, and it's interesting to me that well into 2 Samuel, Saul's family are still defending him. But that doesn't justify what Saul did that was wrong. 
So you mean to tell me that a guy can have two million followers on Facebook, be a huge name, be on Fox News, be a guest speaker at all these big political rallies and be in the news every week, taking a stand for political and social causes and have a bad day at the judgment seat of Christ because he didn't do it God's way? Right. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. Hmm. Wow. Well, that's a warning to all of us, isn't it? Mm, for sure. You know, I would say that that I love Greg and I love uh, I love his family, and I'm grieved that he's gone this direction. And I pray that he'll turn back before any further damage ensues. The ministry of Greg Locke has been nothing more than a deterioration of his theological views. This man who once started off as a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching evangelist, and a good one, a really good one. Greg Locke was a great, fantastic preacher, has now turned into a NAR, wild charismatic heretic. Many people don't realize this, but there once was a day where Greg Locke actually wrote a book against Benny Hinn. And the lesson for all of us here is that once you start letting things like personal animosity between other Christians come between you and the truth, then you start on a very dark road. Greg Locke has drifted away from truth so drastically, he's not even the same person that he once was. Some would even call this apostasy. But the road that Greg Locke has taken has destroyed his ministry. It has destroyed his family. It has destroyed his testimony. And really, you're seeing it even now. It's destroying his mind. The things that Greg Locke is saying from the pulpit are completely insane. Everybody sees it but Greg. And the lesson here for all of us is that you monkey with the Bible, God monkeys with your mind. You step away from truth, you walk in darkness. And the reason I'm speaking out is because in the eyes of some people, I'm somehow connected with him. You see, there's, there's articles that have been up for a while about uh, Greg Locke and how he went and tried to fight somebody at Dunkin' Donuts, and then somehow I'm in the article too at the very bottom. And, uh, but Spencer Smith and Greg Locke are nothing alike. Uh, although we do have very similar beginnings, we are nothing alike. I want to. I want to stick with my Bible. I want to stick with the Word of God and and let the Word of God be what's right in my life. And Greg Locke is drifted on that. Greg Locke got crossways with spiritual authority in his life. I believe he got out of the will of God and started chasing sensationalism. Started chasing. The, the high of being on the news all the time and being in the public eye. And that, that is like a lust. You, can't, you can never satisfy that. You have to keep upping the ante over and over and over again to become more sensational and more sensational and more sensational to the point where you're literally standing up in front of a church saying that you, you have demons speaking to you, saying that there's witches in your church. It's crazy. And it's only going to get worse. So with Greg Locke, there's a great lesson for all of us. Stick with what's right, and what is sensational is not always what's right. We pray for Greg. We love him. 
And we pray that he would get right with the Lord and come away from all this insanity that he's preaching. Greg Locke, for all intents and purposes, has become a word of faith, new apostolic reformation puppet, if you will. He's like a character of himself, of his old self. I did not enjoy making this documentary, but it's something that needed to be said, spoken out against. We love you all. Go watch Third Adam if you have not done so. Go watch all of them. their documentaries available for free on our channel. And subscribe to this channel. And we know that we love you. And we pray that God uses your life mightily.